Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you're a young millionaire, right? Obviously, as an artist. Man, you could be at the top. You could fall all the way down and have everybody say that you will never be nothing again. And then now be in a position to where you able to just show like the hard work, the dedication and just what keeping God first will really bring you. It's very rare we get to meet somebody who's rebranded himself like this gentleman today, man. Yeah, him making one of the ones, man. I'm really, really excited to chop it up with him because he's in real estate. He's the biggest mogul right now. Like, he's doing all kinds of stuff outside of just making beats. I don't think people even appreciate. Yeah, it's like we remember that generation. He becomes nostalgic because he's taking hits from the 90s, 2000s, and he's flipping them crazy. And always interested in learning about more in business and investing. So, you know, he's super smart, super smart dude. Yeah, man. Well, you got 10 billion streams, 100 million sold. Them numbers is different. That's all the fame numbers. Hitmaker, my brother, thank you for joining us, bro. Yo, thanks for having me, man, for real. Yeah, this is a conversation I'm actually very excited to have because we talk to a lot of artists. But I say that to say, a lot of times people think of music and they only think of like one aspect of music. Mm -hmm. Somebody performing, right. rapping or singing. They don't think about the business, they don't think about the producer, they don't think about the a they don't think about a lot of different stuff. Right. So you, one of the biggest in the game, 100 million sales? Yeah, man, that's, more than that now, that's when I got the plaque. I only, I don't even really be doing accounting and stuff like that. <laughs> like, for real, like, not even on no big dog shit or whatever, but just like, um, I never really bought plaques, you know? And then I went to the Tricky Stewart studio in Atlanta, and like, I was just seeing like 50 million. Uh, 60 million, seven, I'm like, holy shit. Like, so I'm like, yo, I'm not buying no plaque until I'm on this level of where he was. And the first plaque I got was 70 million. And then I got the 100 million one, probably like three, four months ago, but I probably had like a hundred and close to 110 right now. So you have to buy the plaque? Yeah, you gotta buy the plaque. Oh, okay. What, nah, you thought it just came in. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the, the label was like, hey, yeah. what you did? <laughs> nah, it, it don't work like that. You got to buy the plaques and buy all your accomplishments or whatever that you want. But I mean, instead of just flooding the crib, I'd rather just have like one big jump. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't want to be caught up in my own vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love to just keep putting the work on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so it don't really, it might not look like money, but I know it's going to catch up and it's going to be some money. You know what I'm saying? Just go in blind faith, you did. How was the reaction? to your, your counterparts when they realized that it was a hundred million. You know what I mean? Because I, I, obviously we watched you as an artist in your right. younger years and people quite didn't know who was making all these hits. Right. And so to see a hundred million, it's like, wait, huh? Um, you know, I don't know. Like, I ain't gonna lie. Like, I just always feel like the underdog. Like, and I, and like a lot of people even tell me like, man, like, Bro, you accomplish a lot. Like the way you rebranded, the way you reinvented yourself, like this is one of like a hip hop great type thing that we've seen. And to me, it's still like, man, I ain't did shit. Like I, I haven't done nothing. Like I just use it as motivation because like I think that when people 
get too complacent and they get caught up in their own vibe, then it's kind of like, well, maybe I could fall back or maybe I could do that or maybe I do go sell my masters right now my, with my catalog and just disappear. But man, like I, I love the game. Like I love it so much. Like that's why I wear so many hats from producer to executive to executive producer to artist or whatever. It's just I love the game, man. It's my life. I don't got nothing but it. So talk about your production company that you're building. Yeah, Make a Sound, man. Shout out to my partner, Krishan. Um, me and Krishan met in 2016, and we were able to meet through um, a, another uh, party in like great A&R, and shout out to my dog, Jay Grant, who works at RCA. He um, is Mulatto's A&R right now. Excuse me, Lotto, big Lotto. Shout out to my girl. And um, a, a slew of other artists that he was influential on, and we met just cooking up records and just cooking up records, and then from there, we were like, yo, like, I became the vice president of uh, a and the Atlantic Records. This is probably like in 2016 or something like that. And they just like took me under the wing. And the crazy thing about it was I'm, I was like, bro, like with my deal, like shout out to um, all the people behind the scenes that really work with me. Shout out to my um, mentor, Ryan Press and just different people. And I was just like, bro, like I'm not trying to be in no office like the studio, my office. So they just got me a studio, gave me a studio and just allowed me to let all these different creatives flourish and come through my room. And that's how I've been able to establish all these different relationships. And now the company, we have a publishing division of the company as well as the record company as well. And it all started with, you know, just through the records and just open arm embracing everybody that just came around and we were able to start this company. You spoke about rebranding, right? It's the first thing you said. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we've ever seen anything like your rebranding, right? right? Like we, obviously we know you as the artist, but at what point did you realize I don't have to perform, I can actually make the music for other people? And who was like the first person to give you that chance to say like, he's talented at that, but he's equally, if not even more so talented at this. You know what, when I first started doing my records, it wasn't really like a big like, I was so caught up in just being on, you know, I'm a kid from the south side of Chicago. So like back in those days, like it was very far in, in between. It was Kanye, No ID, Common, you know, like all the OGs, Twister, other, other, nobody young had really made it. And so when I first got on, I was just like, man, I'm on. So I wasn't really telling the world like, yo, I produced this record and on my album, I wrote all the, the R&B parts and Sexy Can I, like I arranged the whole song and co-wrote the song and this, that and third. So from there, like, things kind of got dark for me. Like, I went through trials and tribulations in my own career. And then I was just like, man, I always watched all these different DVDs and different stuff or whatever was familiar with the L.A. Reads and watched every documentary. And I was like, I'm a music man. Like, so, like, if I'm not the artist forever, I'm going to evolve and turn into something different. And from there, like, I just was like, man, they don't want the product for me no more. And it was really like an ego death moment, you know what I'm saying? To where you <laughs> right, gotta right. be like, damn, like you come from achieving so much, being a multi-millionaire, selling millions of records, but now nobody wants anything from you. But you put every egg into this basket of music. So how are you gonna diversify? And from there, I was just like, fuck it. I, I didn't even really, I just said Hitmaker one time in the studio, like Hitmaker, I just said it before the, the song. <laughs> and I was just like, writing hooks for a lot of different people or whatever. And from there, um, man, I think the first person to really bet, bet, bet on me, 
that's a that's a huge star that that attached itself to me was probably Nicki Minaj. And um, like I had a few records, I had a bunch of different records or whatever. And Nicki came in and and I met her out here in L.A. We played a couple records and man, she kind of like took a liking to me. And that kind of like and what was crazy because it wasn't like a cool time to be around me. So it was like she was so big and like I didn't know that I didn't even put it in perspective back then. Like my records kind of came out before she was Nicki Minaj. You know what I'm saying? Like at timeline wise or years wise. So like I think she probably enjoyed maybe a record I did and like we just our chemistry hit it off and she allowed me like free reign like yo here go my studio. She had a sign in the studio. I used to like take pictures when Instagram first came out by the sign. Like she let me flex the whole thing. And that kind of like was like, yo, like what the fuck is Nicki Minaj doing? <laughs> and then it just kind of like t- turned it up. And then like I started getting in more sessions and here we are now. So talk about publishing. Like mm-hmm. what exactly is publishing? Because a lot of times people are confused. They confuse like your master's with your publishing, which is two right. different things, right? So like, for how important is publishing and what is the publishing? Publishing, as a, as a creative and a writer, it might be the most important piece of the whole situation. Um, I think that it's it's just your worth. It's what, whatever you, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's your writer's piece. So I think that a lot of people early on, they don't know that like, man, like, if you got, if you can eat oodles and noodles for like, <laughs> for this whole time <laughs> don't do no publishing deal because I did a publishing deal very early you know what I'm saying and um I had to get into another publishing deal it's like it's like a, a never-ending door like for real for real like if you really do it and but at the same token it's a way for you to provide for your family early on so it's hard to tell somebody like nah don't do that like you know what I'm saying unless you in a position to be like here, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It just hit me back on some other stuff. But I think that publishing is the most important key for a songwriter, for a producer like me, you know, like I think that if you can get an admin deal and you cannot do a publishing deal because they want 50% of everything. What's an admin deal? An admin deal is just somebody that you basically paying to go collect your money for you. Mm. A publishing deal is selling 50% of your copyright to a publisher to do the same thing, but they giving you an upfront advance. So now you're creating a publishing company yourself. Yeah, we have our own. I got my own joint venture with Warner Chapel with APG. Mm. So that's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? But that's a years, my brother. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Correct. Like that, that it, it don't jump off like that. Like maybe God bless and somebody that watches this and inspired by this gets this and it, it take flight like that. But this is like a, 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 a real 10 year, a decade type thing. So like for the upcoming producer or the upcoming songwriter, because all the artists know like, at this point, 
masters. Whether they do it or not, they at least know. But uh, I think a lot of producers and songwriters still might not have enough confidence even, right? Because it's like, you, you, you might not look at yourself as the most important person in this situation, even though you probably are. Like, what kind of advice would you give them on the business side so they don't, they don't get, you know, in bad deals? I think that it, when, you, when you step into um, creating a new business, even though, like, you might not know you creating a business, because we all don't know because we're just creatives or whatever, and then you get your mind wrapped around a whole business point. Like, it depends on what you, your outlook is. If you want to be a frontline guy and a super producer like me and different people that are also in the game as well, and you want to be in front of the camera, then you have to align your business like that. Say you a low-key guy, mad, introverted, don't even want to be in a studio like that, you know what I'm saying? But Because I have other co-producers that work with me like that. They'll be like, man, I'm good. Like, I don't want to go in the studio. Just keep feeding me ideas. I'm going to keep feeding you ideas. And that have sold millions of records and never been in the studio with the artist. It's really about what your outlook is and how you want to take it to me. I look at myself like a like a, a super young entrepreneur. So I've been inspired by the likes of Puffy, you know what I'm saying, L.A. Reid, different people like that. So it's kind of like, I look at myself like a brand, like Coca-Cola, you know what I'm saying? Like, you slap that, that hit maker, that hit maker on your, you're gonna have a hard time not going top 10. Like, it's gonna be like really hard. Like, this has to be like the worst shit ever. And, and I've just created the whole climate to where it hasn't been that and it's just been super dope. Like, even looking at last Friday, like, like this how much publishing count. I dropped 21 songs last Friday. 21? Yeah. Tinks on, on Friday? Tinks album. Yeah, just Tink's album Tink's came out with 16. Yeah. I did um two on OMB Peasy's project. I did money, I did a uh, six hundred breezy and money man single, and then I did uh Fabulous and Jim Jones single as well. That that could be somebody whole year, like 21, like you know yeah. what I'm saying? But I think that the blessing and the real thing about this whole shit is that man, you have to go and grind like you don't have anything. Like, I live my life like I don't have nothing, like, like I haven't accomplished a thing. Like, when I leave here, I'm going to the studio. Like, and a lot of people be like, man, shit, like, you know, I got the number one album on Apple Music right now, nigga. Like, I'm cool and like, you know, the number's finna come back. I'm finna go and in, in, uh, lay up with a chick. Like, nah, like, I'm foot <laughs> on the floor, like, for First real. First <laughs> So, th this is interesting because when you said uh, Puff was an influence, mm -hmm. And obviously we know X played a role in your career in the early mm -hmm. stages. When I think of you, I think when Puff said, when he had that line, take hits from the 80s and make it sound so crazy, right? right? Yeah. Oh, May said that. Yeah. In his song. And I, I remember that time, like, damn, they're they taking all the drinks from the set. And they, 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 they're current, right? And mm -hmm. I think Irv had a, had a moment in the early 2000s mm -hmm. when he was doing it. And then it was like a dry spell. Mm -hmm. And then here comes Hitmaker. Yeah. And so now... Is that the inspiration for how you're, you're attacking the game? Because I'm like, wait, we grew up on some of them songs, and I'm like, yo, he's flipping these ones crazy. Yo, I ain't gonna lie, like, I consciously set out, and I was like, yo, I'm gonna be the puff daddy of this generation. <laughs> I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna flip every one of those, I'm a 106 in Park Rap City baby, I'm gonna flip every joint that I loved, and I'm gonna make this shit be the craziest whatever, and I started a trend with it. Like, I'm not even gonna lie, like, you can just go look, like, if the beautiful people at Revolt wanna hit my catalog and go see, like, I hit, like, a lot of key moments, and from there, like, 
it kind of like people think of that because like I think it, I did it so well. And then like it's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of people that's doing it wrong, too, right now. But like that's one, something that you start with a trend like, man, like it's supposed to be taken and everybody's supposed to put their own twist to it. Because what I did was my own twist on what I seen Irv. Like I was living like I literally I've been at the murder mansion. Like, I'm a product of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been around Irv Gotti and Ja when they making these records. Like, I've been around DMX. I've been around these people. Like, this is just in me. Like, I, like this is my cloth. Like, this is what I bleed. Like, I really bleed the era to where Def Jam was on, like, 8th Avenue and, like, 50-something Street. And it was Irv Gotti here and Hove here and DMX here and uh, Michael Kaiser working radio and Julie Greenwald and Lior and Kevin and you know like that's my DNA that I'm cut from so like it just reflects in everything I do and I got a lot of hits that don't got samples on it this too is true. like I mean a lot of like my first one that I really came in the game I think uh like super heavily when I really like start moving um, was Big Sean bounce back and it just got certified six times platinum I think it's yesterday or the day before one. so that was one of the ones. So I, I just real just to follow up on that because a lot of the records are sampled so like mm -hmm. there's fees attached to that so how how pricey yeah. is that when you're sampling? Oh, it's pricey, oh, right? Because they it's like if I sample it, then I gotta kind of make sure that this is gonna be a hit. It's pricey, but I'm still cut from that cloth <laughs> that I just told you about. I'm cut from being around Kanye, being around No ID, seeing and hearing the conversations of Kanye having 12 different, 36 writers on one song and trying to figure <laughs> out how to get everybody clear. I'm really like, like I'm here for the music, for the culture. I feel like as long as I support the culture and keep giving back to the culture, the culture gonna make sure I stay here. And I haven't, like, whatever trials and tribulations I went through to make it here, like, it still ain't let me down. It was still music to come grab me. When I, when I, when I had the darkest day, it was still me writing a song with a girl that named Mia Ray that's from Miami that was like my muse or whatever. But, like, we, I just wrote a song and I sent it and it became a Tamar Braxton song. And Vincent Herbert flew me back to L.A. And, like, it just all has been music, you know what I'm saying? And keeping God first, for real. How do you not jeopardize the quality of your production by doing so many different songs? Do you ever think about that? Or is it just it, a song won't come out if you, if you don't feel comfortable with it? That's like the biggest trick, man. I ain't going to lie. That's the biggest trick of this whole shit is that I'm not consciously going to make songs. Like, I'm not like, yo, um, such and such is tomorrow, this, da, 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 da. I'm just going to the studio with my gang, with my people that I work with, and we just make 10 songs a night. Mm -hmm. And we keep doing it. And we keep doing it and keep doing it to the point that I probably got 6,000 demos in my phone right now. So now any record label could be like, okay, I want you to work with them, with them, with them. And I go in and this with a lot of people, well, damn, like this the sauce too. Um, <laughs> these songs are like, like even if I do a joint for a rapper, 99.9% .9 of the time, the hook is on the song already. And they're embellishing and, and it's not like, yo, like, do this. It's more so like, this is dope. And it's going to make this easier if you just throw your sauce on it and say it how you want to say it. Like, even, um, like, one of the craziest times that I ever had that moment, um, rest in peace, King Vaughn. Like, we were in a studio and we was in Miami and they brought me down there to work with King Vaughn. And, like, he was, you know, he was fairly new to his, his career and he had done all his songs by himself, you know what I'm saying? Just like shorty just load up the beat you know what i'm saying i'm gonna do my thing so i'm in there and i'm playing records or whatever and i'm like yo he like i'm like this hard ain't it he like yeah this this shit hard 
I'm like, go do the hook. He like, what? I'm like, yeah, do the hook. Like, make it your own. And he like, gang, I ain't never did no shit like this before. <laughs> I'm, he like, so I could go and do it. I'm like, yeah. He like, boy, this shit finna be too raw. I'm gonna make this shit so crazy. Da, da, da. He went in there. The song we did was still trapping. I think that about to be double platinum. Shout out to Dirk and everybody or whatever. And it was just a moment. And we all did up. We ended up doing like six songs that night. So oh. you, you brought up Vaughn, you brought up Dirt, mm -hmm. Chicago, Chicago natives, obviously you're a Chicago native. Mm -hmm. I wonder as you're going on this journey, because you're, you're fairly young, right, mm -hmm. compared to the, the people that you're aspiring to be. Yeah. Are you seeing people and grabbing people along the way to say, yeah. like, listen, let me teach you some of these lessons that I've learned? And if you have, what are some of those lessons that you took away from and said, you know what, I wish somebody had told me this? I just, more than anything, I just wanted somebody to put me in a room. So it's an open door policy with me, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not the guy that like like the people that sign to me. Like I'm gonna be honest. Like all my artists that sign to me, for the most part, with the exception of my guy Neek Bucks, and um, that's a part of our team. They all songwriters. They all the people that I'll just be writing the songs with. That's like super dope. And I'm like, <laughs> I know that every songwriter wants to be an artist in general, but we build up so much catalog and we put that hardware up to where it's like, fuck it. That's why I like I love my guy, my brother Ivory Scott. He's on my single. It's top forty right now. Down bad with Jeremiah Fabulous and Ivory Scott. Me and Ivory Scott, we um collaborated. We did Baddest by Blue and Chris Brown and Two Chains. We did fucking um the Peru and Fireboy record. I was able to put him in a room with that, with me being with Empire and all this other stuff. He did the first verse on a record. We did it together. We wrote it together. I'm like fuck it. That shit hard. Just stay on that shit. And I just put them on a song. So like, I'm just giving the opportunity to all the people that people not even thinking about. Like, just being around me is like a, like. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm having so much success that like, bro, like if we take a picture right now and you like, yo, this is a writer that I want you to work with or whatever. I'm like, yo, send them to the studio. And we go in there and we take a picture and we do some Instagrams and we plan a vibe in the back. There's a 70 to 85% chance he's gonna wake up in the morning from a DM from some A&R or somebody in a game because they're trying to figure out. And I bet it, it's, it's just like y'all success. It's like, how the hell is these niggas doing this? <laughs> and it's like, yo, niggas trying to pick apart your whole thing. Well, no, it's it's because he has this, or they got that, or they got that. Like, bro, like this shit. So, like, to me, I just want to be the gift that keep on giving back to the people and just being around and just collaborate. I don't have no, like, the biggest thing also is that back when I watched other people, how they runs, they were big producers, they kind of circled it out. Like, if you ain't signing me, we can't make no song together. Mm -hmm. Boy, if you hot, I don't care if it's a fucking crackhead <laughs> down the street and on Figueroa, boy. If he popping something, boy, we throw him in a booth, boy. Here, take your publishing, do whatever you think, clean yourself. I don't care, like, bro, like, I'm just about making heat, like, for real, for real. When'd you get turned on to real estate? Super early, super early. Um, my Well, a little backstory on me, like, my parents, like, man, my parents, I had like the biggest childcare daycare center when I was growing up in Chicago. My dad was the director of Chicago Public Schools slash like a real estate like guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like literally like the guy like and still right now, like man, like we have like we got a lot of like we got a lot of stuff, man. We got a lot of properties <laughs> out there. 
that we helping families, you know what I'm saying, coming through with affordable rent, doing all this other stuff that's all over the city that he put me on. So Ward Realty was already like, my last name is Ward. It was already in my blood. It was something that he had started before I even jumped in the game or got my first dollar in the music business. So now with me flourishing, man, like he just been able to add shit on top. On Fam- top on family top. business. Yeah, it's a big How important is that? Because you in LA, you in the music business, mm-hmm. you learned financial literacy from your parents, which mm-hmm. is a blessing, but a lot of people weren't afforded that. So how, how important was that for you to learn at an early age? And being that you had that information, like, were you able to kind of give some advice to some artists to stop them from making bad decisions? Yeah, I think that you just got to get a great team around you. My father's my business manager as well. So like, I just like, I couldn't imagine what it would be like without having that type of guidance with someone that I really revered and and, and cared about. And I really like looked at them like that to give me the advice to where, cause I think that the kids get caught up in like, who would this random nigga telling me something about what to do with my money? Like, boy, I'm out here busting my ass for this, but you gotta keep somebody that's central, that, that's more centered around you. And I don't care if you wanna turn up every day and wild out and you don't care about that and you wanna be the most creative person in the world or you don't care about the finances or the logistics or whatever, you gotta make sure that your team is intact. So you look back because you never, this is the biggest, you never wanna be old and broke, bro. Like, that's like my biggest Major fear that's what, of what, what, what big say, being broke at 30, giving nigga the chills. Bro, like, <laughs> like you can be broke when you're young, but like you never want to be that guy that's like trying to figure it out, especially after being accomplished. And no, like, that's a nightmare. So like, man, and I think there's proper examples now that people can look at to and, and reference points to where like, yo, Internet your friend, man. Go talk to these people. Go go have conversations with people. It's bigger than just linking up with chicks and just vibing out. Like go go link up with, with somebody that you see that got a little bit more than you and go ask them how you get that, how you put yourself in that position and just let the love and the game trickle down. So you, you're a young millionaire, right? Obviously as an artist. What was that like? Because the show is obviously called Assets Over Liabilities. Mm-hmm. So at the time you're accumulating this money, obviously you have, you know, a foundation with your parents teaching financial literacy. Mm-hmm. How much are you actually taking in as opposed to saying like, all right, it's cool, but I gotta go, I'm about to go spend some. I wowed out. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, I'm like, cool, like, right? No, I wowed, I wowed out. <laughs> See, but the difference is, if I was an artist then, so you dealing with that front and back end situation. So when you catching that back end at the show or at the club or all this other stuff, you could look up and do a two, three week run and have six, seven hundred grand, you know what I'm saying, in cash. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why people be seeing like the super rappers and be like, man, where the fuck is they getting all this? Like, bro, I think give me a hard time taking 10 grand out the bank. Like, how does this nigga have fucking, yo, like, like a two million sit right here? Money Exactly, bro. So they're giving you the money. So I think that when you get it, when it, when the money in your hand, it's something about it that don't feel real. You know what I'm saying? And you want to know what the worst thing is? When you take yourself out that position, that credit card, boy, I'm telling you, because it don't like, it don't feel, feel real. It. Like yeah. it don't, it's just like, whatever. But I'd rather you fuck up early. You know what I'm saying? Bump your head early and learn. Or just don't fuck up at all. Because it's, it's really about, all this shit is ego driven. 
unless like you know what I'm saying like now like I'm big chain and rich but it's, it's marketing <laughs> yeah, though, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah. like it it's a marketing fee for me like I gotta look like it you know what I'm saying like look where I came from like this is an example that and it's a motivational piece and it's inspiration to be like man you could be at the top you could fall all the way down and have everybody say that you will never be nothing again and then now be in a position you know what I'm saying to where you able to just show like the hard work, the dedication, and just what keeping God first will really bring you. So how important is rebranding? Because you started as Youngberg. You know, mm -hmm. the crazy thing, I didn't know Hitmaker. I didn't know you were Hitmaker. Oh, for real? No. At first. Like, I was hearing it drop. Hitmaker, and I'm like, yo, this kid's on fire right now. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like... I thought it was Heatmakers at first. Well, yeah, well <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't... I didn't right, too. So, like, shout out to Heatmakers. So, so like, no. like, was that intentional that you changed your name? How important was it? Because you could have just kept Youngberg as a producer. Nah, it wasn't going to work like that. Why, why was it? I was blackballed. I was like in an early stage. It's like, well, it's since we talking like a product, of, you know what I'm saying? A rebranding, like, shit, I was like the Fire Fest, boy. I went down and Fire Fest. And like, where it was just cool. Like, it was just like a, a stamp. Like, yo, like, nah, that ain't it. And um, I don't think that if I would have been like, yo, like, uh, Beats by Berg. And be like, they might not have gave it the opportunity that was necessary for it to be, but um, I was able to sneak it in and, and be on some like hit maker shit. Like I said, I just came up with the name, like, cause that's mad bold. Like I'm Youngberg, and then randomly I'm just like, no nigga, I'm hit maker. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it, that's like a big, you know what I'm saying? Shooter feel. But it just happened really organically. Like all this shit is God's will. Me sitting here right here with y'all. Like I'm literally like. I'm in, I'm like, I'm watching a movie of my life, like, while we sitting here talking, like, I, it real out of body, like, type experience, because yeah. I wanted this, and I put so much energy into it, to where everything is just coming to fruition. So, I mean, this is a new type of, of way that people are consuming music, right? It's not like we're buying sales mm -hmm. and streaming. So, from your side, like, what's, what's the equation, right? When I do a billion streams, how profitable can that be for a person who's actually producing the song? Because it... I mean, we see people going platinum. It doesn't. It kind of just doesn't feel the same. When I hear a billion streams, I'm like, okay. Yeah, um, I got like 10 billion down to 11 billion on motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very profitable. <laughs> like, I want to lie and say like, nah, it's not. But nah, it's very profitable. And then like, if you're the artist though, see, because I'm the producer, so this is what people got to realize too. The producer, I'm a producer and a songwriter. So the way the songs kind of come packaged for me, it'll be like, yo, I, I co-produced this with my other guy, whatever, here it is. And we'll probably retain 60, 65% of the song, if depending on if someone else comes in and writes on a record or whatever. So you're dealing with a whole pie at 100. So just think about the revenue that's coming in. like at, the artist is getting that and being able to tour and go do that off the show money. So you're getting 50% of the pie. So, I mean, go look at your favorite artist and just think about 50% of what, you know what I'm saying? They got, like, it's it's up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's up. It's way up. It's stuck. Yeah. It's up and it's stuck. <laughs> so, which side do you like better, the artist side or the producer side? The producer side. And I don't even, like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm not, like... I, I love the game. Like I feel like, like, like I'm gonna feel like in four or five years, 
Like maybe I won't even produce records no more and I'll just be like as big as Craig Kalman or be as big as L.A. Reid or be in there. Like I know how to find talent. I know how to identify things. I know how to put this person in the room, do this, do that. You know what I'm saying? I know how to bring a whole project to fruition. So to me, man, this whole game is just like leveling up every moment. Just level up, level up, level up. And that's the ultimate goal. Like being an artist is trash, bro. Mm. <laughs> like what what do you want to do? Like, no, I, I really like that's why I kinda like this I hope this don't go viral in a bad way. That's kinda why I shine away from certain female rappers. You know what I'm saying? Because now- if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Now it's kind of like my DM is just fluctuated with strippers and bartenders <laughs> and fucking, you know what I'm saying? Just fluctuates is a good word. Like with anybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yo, like, bro, I, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's like, you don't even love this shit. It's almost disrespectful to all the work and the hard work and time that I done put into this shit. So, I mean, ladies, I love you, but do not contact me unless you love <laughs> this shit, yo. Because they've made it so watered down that they think that anybody can do it. So is that the reason we haven't got a hitmaker album? Right? Because obviously you can make hits. Yeah. So to put 10 together or 12 together, that sounds like that's an easy fix. I got an album and it's done. Uh, and I, and it, it's, it's all together. It's um 14 songs. Everybody's on it. I mean, like everybody like like start at the top of the game and call your favorite everyone's call your favorite but man i'm just so like man i got sessions coming up you never know like man somebody might take my single that might be in it tomorrow because i know i'm gonna do it again yeah. like that's how i feel like i'll give the songs out or whatever but my album is done for the, for the streets you yeah. know what i'm saying for the record and it's done and we gonna see man probably like you know later this year something like do you that. do you because what i'm hearing is like you just love to make the music mm-hmm. And if you put the album out, and I'm sure it's gonna have great success, mm-hmm. I feel like there won't be any interest in you touring it. Or maybe is there? Boy, somebody. Now you're an artist. Got to press motherfucking uh, uh that button on that damn DJ thing, boy, <laughs> <laughs> and they gonna pay me to go out. Nah, I'm bullshit. <laughs> I, nah, I'm, I'm in the I'm inside the trenches, man. I'm in the office. I'm in like like I'm in into finding new talent. I'm into making records daily, like, and discovering new songwriters and new producers and building up this roster and taking shit to the next level. But I ain't gonna lie, like, if the bag get crazy, I might go and give them a hit maker set. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, for real. Cause I really could just go to the club and be like, hey, yo, give me a 15 of them joints and just let them fly. So you, you said artists right now, it's not inspiring. What do you look for when you when you you say you signed uh, Neek Park? Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you look for in artists to say, okay, this person is special? Since there's so many people that's not special. It's just an it factor. First and foremost, just about the individuality. A lot of people want to be like a lot of different people, so they'll give you that same type of effect. Like, and it'd be like, oh well. I'd be like, yo, describe what his music's like. Oh, it's similar to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's a, it's like Gunna, or it's like, you know, it's like, bro, like, I'm looking for something that's really, like, unique. Exactly, like, Neek Bucks doesn't remind me of your typical New York rapper. His pocket, the way he speaks, the way he translates it, and his story is really real, and it's really genuine, like, and it's something that resonates with me, and I think it's going to resonate with the whole world. So the ultimate thing with me is just, 
individuality and in the work ethic. Like you gotta be able to match my work ethic, because like you know I'm gonna go bad on you if it, I'm like I done sold a hundred M's and ten billion streams, and I'm in the studio more than you, and you ain't even put out your first project. So that's why I kind of think that we all inspire each other. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, man, like, damn, he's super dope. I gotta be in this bitch cooking up something from. Then it's like, well, damn, this nigga's super lit, and and he in here just as much or more than me. So it's just a revolving door. We feed off each other. I'm be honest. I used to, and this is this is one of those sneaky hits that I love, the Two Chains and Ariana Grande record. Yo, I love that record too. It's a plaque on that too. The, the, yeah, it's one of my favorites. So when I when I heard that, I'm like, wow, Ariana Grande. Is there somebody that you haven't worked with that 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 you're like, I gotta get them. I haven't done it yet, but I need to. I don't know. I, I want to say Bieber, and I ain't gonna lie. Two Chains got a, this nigga. Two Chains is the sneakiest nigga. <laughs> well, he got a record idea with him with him and Justin Bieber that's about to come out. That shit is crazy too. And it's like the same pocket. Like you wouldn't expect Ariana on that type of record. Like because we flipped that A Marie. Why don't we and that's one of my up, favorite you know? records. Yeah. So you do the beat and you do the hook. You have the song. Mm -hmm. Do you have the artist in mind that you want to give, or you just keep it in the stash and then just? randomly come up and say, okay, this is good for Two Chains or this is good for Jada Kiss or like So I uh, it's different. So for clarity with the whole shit, the, my creative process, right? Like I got a, like we talked about a gang of co-producers that do stuff. So but like here's an example. Like if I want to flip something, right? Like the Ariana Grande and Two Chains or whatever record, my co-producer on that, Rob Holiday, who did all my records with me. He did Sexy Lady, he did The Business. Like I literally told this guy to drop out of high school and he moved out here to LA with me and we made them songs, like no bullshit. So fucking, we had did the record originally and the sample like wasn't clear. So then I linked up with my guy, Paul Cabin, who I met when I did Wiz Khalifa something new. And I'm like, yo, we gotta replay this. He came in a clutch, he replayed that whole shit. You probably can't even tell that it's not a sample. He replayed everything on the song. Then we re-instructured re the drums with Cardiac and did everything from there. And then I went, I wrote the, the hook for Ariana Grande with my artist, Rocky, who signed on my company now, Make It Sound. We wrote the hook together. Then I played it for Chains. And I really went to Chains' house to play him a record to get on my album. And he like, this is how long I've been working for, working on the album. And I'm like, he like, I'm like, yo, play me some shit. I played him, he jumped on something, I played him now. I'm like, yo, this is the intro to my album. I want you to get on it. That nigga like, hell no, man, this is my song. <laughs> but, and it was cool because I've known Chain so long. Like, even if people go look at like the player circle, thank you notes and that, like, man, he shout me out in that bitch. He said Iceberg, Youngberg, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? That's how long I've been knowing Tit. That's my brother. That's crazy. Pleasure, my brother. Yeah, um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Anything that you working on that you want to let the people know, be aware of? Um, shit. I mean, um, I probably got five more albums that I executive produced that's coming out this year. Shout out to Tink, we got the number one album right now, R&B album, Apple Music, go get that, stream that, copy it, Pillow Talk, amazing body of work. Um, my new album coming, Neat Bucks on the way, and it's, it's raining hits, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Respectfully. 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 I appreciate you, my brother. Love. There you have it. That's a wrap for Hitmaker. Hitmaker. Appreciate yeah, it, bro. bro. You guys are everything, bro. Yeah, thank you, bro. Hey, it's Troy and Rashad from Assets Over Liabilities. This episode's word, annual return.
This is the Asset Journal, brought to you by Ally. The annual return is the return that an investment provides over a period of time expressed as a time-weighted annual percentage. Sources of returns can include dividends, returns of capital, and capital appreciation. It's not just about revenue and big numbers. It's about how much you take home and what your return on your investment is. Only here on Revolt. stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.